I'm going to talk to you guys tonight about identity crisis. Anybody ever had one of those? You know what? Our state and our, our world, our nation, I feel like we're at a critical point. Our nation, things that used to be called wrong are now called right. All these things that we see happening in our world, and we wonder, you know, who we are what we're doing, where we're headed. And before I go on any further tonight, I've got a, a video clip that I wanted to play. And some of you may remember it, and some may not, but uh, Sherry, if you can go ahead and play that clip. Who am I? Why am I here? <laughs> go ahead and play that one more time. Roll that again. Who am I? Why am I here? <laughs> Does anybody else remember that? 1992 vice presidential debate. First time in my life that I've ever known it to happen that there have been three candidates in there. He probably felt a little out of place. Up to this point, as far as I know, could have been before that I didn't remember, I don't know, that he was there, he was an independent, and he was in, in this race, and he's probably wondering, who am I? He may not even wanted to be there. You know, I, I've seen some of these debates, they get pretty nasty, but who am I? And why am, I, why am I here? And the question that I wanted to kind of focus on tonight is who am I? So often in our society, we're lacking identity. Sometimes we think we know who we are. We've got an idea of what we, we should be or we think we should be. But other times we allow our relationships and the world around us to label us and begin to tell us who we are instead of ever taking a moment to ask God, what do you say about who I am? So many outside voices. Anybody ever feel like there's outside voices trying to define you and shape you and mold you and tell you what your identity is? I was reading a Bible study by Dr. Charles Stanley, and he asked some of these questions. He says, how do you really define who you are? Another question he asks is, what aspect of yourself do you dislike? Is there anybody in here that's got something about you that you dislike? There's plenty of things I could name and list. I go to the gym and I'm the guy that people look at and say, don't be like him. <laughs> not, not the guy that's all, and, and you're saying, man, I wish I could be like that one day. There's things about me that I dislike. But as we ask ourselves those questions, we have to say, to what extent are you dependent on external attributes or roles such as appearance, education, skills, family, relationship, and occupation to describe yourself? Are we relying on our skills, the things that we can do, our education, how many degrees, how many uh, titles we have behind our name? Does that give us our identity? Is it the clothes we wear, the things that, that we put on day to day that said, man, I look sharp today, this is who I am? Is those, are those the things that identify us? In Jeremiah 29, 11, the Bible says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for you. God has a design for you. And sometimes we have to get out of the way and move out of the way so God can have his way, amen, and state his identity for our life. Sometimes we won't be quiet long enough to listen to what God's trying to tell us who we are when God's trying to speak to us, amen. I, I can speak to that because my mouth's usually like this, just all the time. You ever wonder if God just saying, would you just shut up a minute and listen to me? I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to tell you who you are. I'm trying to give you identity and purpose in your life, but you won't be quiet long enough. Mm, I guess I'm the only one. 
I'm going to start in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through about 25. I'm going to read you the parable of the prodigal son. How many are familiar with the story? We'll go ahead and read that. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine rose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And in the Jewish community, this would have not been cool. This would not have been good at all. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything again, another thing that would not be good in Jewish culture. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger again. With hunger, I will arise and go to my father's house and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father's house. And listen to this as we read this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe to put it, put it on him and put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet and bring the fattened, ca fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this is my son. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to have a celebration. The young man went through a little bit of an identity crisis. He thought he wanted this and he found himself in a mess and he found himself back at the father's house. You know, and as we talk about an identity crisis tonight, it's something I think that we'll all be familiar with, but there's several things that I kind of wanted to mention to you tonight and I won't necessarily label them out and then come back, but I'm going to label them and just go on as we go. But the first thing that, that I wanted to mention to you tonight, you know what, that you are not your gift. You are not your gift. The prodigal son had been given what his inheritance was, was a gift. It was a favor. His father should have by right been dead before he got this, but his father gave it to him. And he took it and he, and he spent it on riotous living. They don't tell him what he spent the money on. And he blew it. He blew it all. He disconnected himself from his resource. He was a son, but he lost his provision. You know, our gifts are something that are tools. And I think so often that we find ourselves looking at it, our, our gift is our identity as opposed to a tool for the master's use. I don't know, you know, and the reason I can say that, I, I heard a, a pastor from Gateway talk about this in a, in a worship session, but he was talking about that, you know, as a musician, sometimes I identify with that and I'm a musician. So, I, you know, that's my identity. I'm a guitar player. Hey, what do you do? I'm a guitar player. What do you do? I'm a bass player. Uh, I'm a, a pianist. I'm a welder. We fill in the blank. And as men's, men, a lot of times we're guilty of it. I feel like you go up to somebody, one of the first things you ask another man when you go up to him is, hey, what do you do? And, the, and then the guy responds, well, I work at so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. But we identify with the gifting that we have as opposed to what God has called or given us to be. 
You are not your gift. I read a story or actually heard a story by Dr. Russell, which is the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty uh, Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. He, he recalled a story of an article that he heard or listened to about a song by a gentleman by the name of Michael Card. And this, this gentleman wrote a song called Underneath the Door. And, and as he was reading, he'd come, the, Dr. Russell had come in from a long day and he said he just wanted to be by himself. He just wanted to just kind of chill out and be left alone. So he put his noise canceling headphones on and went down and, and it was going to be quiet. And they listened to this interview and, and they start talking about this song. He said, out of all the songs that they wanted to talk about, that's, I love all his music, but I don't like that song. And, and he said, but he began to explain about this song. Michael Card's dad was a doctor and he worked. He was, he was like, he was really busy. Work, 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 work. And, and then he would come home and he just wanted to be left alone. And Michael Card, he said that it was his responsibility to let his dad know that it was time for dinner. So, and what he would do, he would go and he would write little notes or draw pictures and he would slide them under his door, you know, to get his dad's attention. And he said, my dad wasn't a bad man. But the problem was that he couldn't distinguish between himself and his gift. He couldn't tell the difference. And two or three months after he'd retired, he said he passed away. He identified himself with his gift. He wasn't his gift. It was just something that he did. So we cannot identify ourselves with something we've been gifted for. It, you know, the Bible tells us about all sorts of gifts and gifts aren't bad. So don't misunderstand what I'm telling you tonight that the gifts aren't bad, but I'm just saying when they become who you are, that I'm a guitar player, or I'm, I'm a pastor, or I'm this or I'm that, it, it, it's taken out of, you shouldn't put yourself in a position where that's who, who you are. Sometimes also we become a little bit of arrogant with our gift. And I can speak to musicianship, how some people become, they, they're good and they know they're good. And I, I tell you what, I've, I've, I've never felt like that I've been that person, but I've been around some people that thought they were great and some of them were good. They thought they were their gift. And some people in our world think that they're God's gift to everybody else. But we are not our gift. We are not our gift. I'm reminded of Samson. Samson had a gift. He was a judge over Israel. And, you know, he went through all this drama in his life, and he finds himself with Delilah. Oh, man, that was a mess. She's begging him, begging him, tell me what, your, tell me what the secret to your strength is. Tell me what the secret to your strength is. And, and, he, and he goes about and, then, you know, lies to her a couple times. And oh, this is what it is. And this is not what it is. And he goes, they go through this process for a few times. And then and the last time, the last time he tells her actually what it is. And, and, and she cuts his hair. And he wakes up and he shakes himself. And he, feels, he thinks he's, his gift, he's going to go out and operate in his gift, but he doesn't even realize that the spirit that caused him to operate in his gift is not there anymore. We are not our gift. It's just a benefit. If you're able to do something, that's great and fine. If you're, if you're able, you have a gift of, gift of hospitality, or you have all these gifts and can do all these things, that's fine and wonderful. But we are not that gift. We cannot identify ourselves as that gift. Amen. The second thing that I wanted to tell you tonight is that you are not your problem. Amen. A problem is not who we are, but what we become interconnected with and can't get loose from. Then we allow our problem to define us, which was never God's plan. 
I'm gonna tell you a few humorous things about problems. Kind of some jokes here. I, I, I wanna keep it somewhat light because this is kind of serious, but you wake up with your face down on the pavement. That's a rotten day, right? It's a problem. You call a suicide prevention line and get put on hold. That's not good. You see 60 Minutes, they're waiting at your office to talk to you. Your birthday cake collapses from the weight of the candles. You turn on the news and they're showing emergency routes out of the city. Now this one's really good. Your twin sister forgets your birthday. Your income tax check bounces. Your wife says, good morning, Bill, and your name is George. <laughs> These are all humorous and problems, but you know what? We are not our problem. Problems are just things that come into our life that come to pass, amen? There's some problems that we create for ourselves. Anybody ever did that? I probably did that a few times. Stepped off into something I didn't need to. We look at King David, and he created quite a few problems for himself. He got caught looking out a balcony too long and got himself in a mess. You know, he killed the woman's husband because of the sin. He was in a mess. But he wasn't his problem. The Bible spoke of him and said that he was a man after God's own heart. Even after all of his mess, and Lord knows he had a lot of it. He had a lot of family problems, but he was not his problem. We have problems sometimes that are created for us. Example, let's flip the coin. What about Bathsheba? She didn't ask to be summoned by the king. I'm sure she didn't wake up saying, oh, I wish he would summon me to come to his house. But what are you supposed to say to the king when the king sends for you? She didn't choose that. Maybe you're here tonight and you think, I didn't bring this problem on myself. Maybe you found yourself in a place in your life you were abused. Maybe you found yourself in a divorce that you didn't want. You are not your problem. Your problems do not identify you, amen? The devil would have us think they do. Sometimes we define ourselves by our problems, though they say, well, I'm a drug addict. I have sexual issues. I have all these sorts of issues. And you fill in the blank, and we begin to define ourselves, and we attach ourselves to that problem. Well, I'm this. I'm just this way. That's how I am. But we can't identify with our problem. God has a bigger plan for us than our problem. In 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 17, the Bible says, therefore, anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, new has come. Sometimes we operate under labels that the world tries to put on us. You see all these commercials if you're a lady and they're trying to tell you how you should be a size two or you should be this or you should be that or you're a guy in the gym and you see Joe Cool, this arms are twice the size of my legs and you're thinking, I can't ever be that awesome. But that's not our identity, amen? amen. The last thing that I wanted to focus on, we're gonna shift gears here 
is the identity the Father gives to us. Dr. Charles Stanley said this, unless we define our identity primarily by our relationship with Christ, we will encounter problems over time. We've had the wrong criteria for our identity. There are a couple of things that he listed that he said were our identif- identifiers. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I believe, says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. We're called to be a royal priesthood. And that's good. And, and I thank God for it. But there's another one that I wanted to focus on tonight. How many have been adopted tonight? Yes, I have. To be called sons and daughters of the Most High. Amen. That's where our identity should belong in the sonship and being a daughter of the king. But we've had our identity stolen by the enemy. John 1:12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right, gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And Ephesians chapter one, verse five says, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ, according to his purpose, the purpose of his will. In Galatians chapter four through verse seven, it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, the Bible says, and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the almighty Lord. So our identity should go through Christ because of the price that Christ paid for us. We've been bought with a price. We've been adopted, amen? God is so good. When I think about the prodigal son, and I think about how the mess that he was in, he was in some mess. He squandered everything he had, everything he had. And then he found himself in a pigsty thinking about going home. But the amazing part is when he began to go home, when he, when he began to make his mind up, he said, you know what, when I go home, I won't even ask to be a son anymore. I'll just be a servant. I don't have to be a son. But the father wasn't having any, any of it because he said, but while he was still a long way off, this is verse 20 of Luke chapter 15, he says, the father saw him and felt compassion. And the Bible didn't say that he walked to him, but he said, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The father, the father was looking for him. That's my son. That's my boy. You know what? And I want to have my identity through somebody that's looking for me like that. That even when I mess up and God knows I do, just like everybody in this room, I need somebody that's going to be looking for me when I'm down that road. And they won't just walk to me, but they'll run with arms wide open and say, I love you. I have compassion on you. He offered to be a servant. The father rejects it. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, and you ladies in here can't say you need to be a son, but sometimes I just want to be a son. Yes, 
I don't want to be identified by my gift. I don't want to be identified because I can sing or play or anything that I can do. If I can uh, work on a computer, I can do that. I don't want to be identified by my gift. I just want to be a son for a moment. And I don't want to be identified by my problem either. When I come down that road, I want the father to have compassion on me. I just want to be a son. Because you know somewhere along the line, he may have been watching when he came. But there had to be a point. Any parents in here know. There was days, you know, he maybe wasn't watching. He's thinking, man, when that boy gets home, I'm going to shake him. Oh, come on. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Your kids have done a few things. You want to say, what were you thinking? You don't spent a third of my money. I don't even know what you spent it on. Then you were out there with the pigs. You know that ain't right. But the Bible didn't say he did that. Said that he had compassion on him. Some days I just want to be a son. Pass my gift and problem. Because in that moment when I become a son, I don't have to worry about all those things. And it blows my mind how he could do that, how he could put those things off that he'd done because he messed up quite a bit. Some of us maybe are here tonight and you, you look at the father a little different than some people do. Maybe your dad was abusive to you. Maybe you didn't have a dad. But let me tell you something tonight. You cannot compare our Heavenly Father to what you did or you did not have in this world. Because He's full of mercy. He's full of love. He's full of compassion. And He will reach out to you in the midst of your hurt. And I don't know about you, but I found myself in places of hurt. And I didn't need somebody to sit there and smack me upside the head because I knew what I did was wrong. I needed a, a God of love and mercy to wrap his arms and say, I know you messed up, but I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I don't know why this song we used to sing, I don't know why he'd love me. I don't even know why he'd care. I don't know why he'd send his son to give me life, but I'm glad that he did. I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it, but thank God that he's rich in mercy. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. And I thank you for it, Lord. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel like you've identified yourself with your gift more than what God has wanted you to be identified with in him. Maybe you've labeled yourself by your problem. And you've given God all sorts of excuses of why you can or you can't do something. I'm my problem, God. You know how I am. You know this. You know that. But God says, I just want you to be a son. I don't care about your mess. We clean your mess up. That's what the blood of Jesus does. Amen? So as we stand tonight, let's go ahead and stand. One, two, stand. Maybe you found yourself in that place where you identify with your gift and you think you are your gift. Maybe you think you're the gift to the world. I don't know. And maybe tonight you say, I want my identity changed to be through Christ. My identity, identity to be placed through him.
If that's you in this place tonight, we're going to go. I'm going to tell you about all these things. And I want some prayer team people, if there's any here that can line up around front, we're going to pray with you tonight. And maybe you have problems, all things. But before we get to all those, and I'm about to get ahead of myself, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you need the ultimate identity change tonight to put an end to an ultimate identity crisis. You've been wondering, man, I can't keep going the way I'm going. I can't keep doing the things I'm doing. I need something to change, and Jesus wants to change you tonight. Maybe you're here in that, this place, and maybe not. Maybe it's a Wednesday night, and we're all Christians in here, and that's fine and good. But if you're here, don't leave this place without letting Jesus change your life. You don't have to leave the same. If you leave this place the same, it's because you choose to. It's not because God wants that for you. God wants to turn your world upside down in a good way. And if that's you tonight, would there be one in this place tonight that would say, that's me? Praise God. Anybody else? Praise God. Prayer team, come on up around front. Anybody else? I've got two people that said they, they, they want God to change their life. Anybody else in this place tonight? Well, praise God. Well, maybe as we move on, if you, hey, if you, if you raised your hand, come on up to the front. Some, some of the prayer teams can begin to pray with you. But maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know what, Pastor Nick, I know I'm gifted in this area and, I'm, and, and I've, I rely on my gift more than I do God. If God took his presence out of what I'm doing right now, you know, I don't know if I could, I'm, I just keep doing what I do. Maybe that's you tonight. If that's you tonight, let somebody pray with you. And if you're here tonight and you define yourself by a problem, you don't have to define yourself by a problem. The enemy, that's what he wants you to do. But he, God wants you to be free. Is that you tonight? You say that I've been busy defining myself by, my, by what my problems are. If that's you tonight, why don't you make your way to the front and let them, let them pray for you? Don't be ashamed. We've all been at some point or some place in our life that we identify with a problem in our life as opposed to what God has for us. Is there anybody else? We're gonna pray and they're gonna continue to pray around front. And if you need prayer, I always say this every, every time. Every time before we close the, uh, the Sunday morning service and Saturday night service, don't leave this place without letting somebody pray for whatever's going on in your life. You don't have to. You don't have to go back home miserable. You don't have to go back home feeling the same. The, there is power in the name of Jesus, and there is power in prayer. You don't have to leave the same way you came. But Father, as, as, we, as we close this service out tonight, and God, I just believe that if there's anybody, they won't leave without that. I just pray right now, God, a peace that passes understanding, God, would be their portion today. God, I pray, Lord, Lord, that any people that are struggling with their identity in this place, Lord, whether it's the two things I listed or maybe it's something else, but their identity is not focused through Christ. Lord, I just pray tonight that you would minister peace to them and life change to them. God, that their happiness wouldn't be in things that are not related to you. God, and we bless you, Jesus. And I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen.